Hey everyone, welcome into the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and today we've got one of my favorite guests. It's Joe Pizapia. You can follow him on Twitter at JoePizapia17. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro, and if you guys don't know Joe, you probably should by now. He's the author of the number one best-selling fantasy black book series and host of the Black Book Pod on Fantrax and host at SportsGrid. Joe, you do so many things. How do you ever have time, dude? I always make time for you. And let's be honest, I am your favorite. I'm not one of, I am your favorite. Let's just call it like it is. See, I wasn't trying to hurt anyone else's feelings, but I knew you knew, so I didn't need to say it. I'll be the bad guy. I don't care. I'm the favorite, okay? That's just how it is, but no, you know what? It's all about time management, baby. That's what it's about. It's about making sure you got time for this and time for that. And uh, very excited because on Sundays, I just started a new... uh, uh, can you believe it's a two-hour baseball TV show? Who would have thought that would ever happen nowadays? Awesome. But it's me and Matt Stryker. And if you follow wrestling, you know Matt from WWE or Lucha Underground. So we're doing that every Sunday on uh, television over in the... It's on Zumo and Pluto and SportsGrid, uh, YouTube and everywhere. It's going to be on MSG Network in a couple weeks, which is cool. And uh, yeah, just Black Book's going great. I got a great team of people. That's part of it is working with great people. And uh Football black book shaping up already, if you can believe it. We're already in, we've already done the assignments. Like, we're already starting to work on football, which is madness, if you can believe it. And it's, it's still February. Ugh, crazy. Yeah, and we got the NFL draft coming up. I'm working on a bracketology article right now for uh, for March Madness. That's where I draw the line. Lots. Oh, man, it's my favorite. Don't tell anyone that I like March Madness better than baseball or football, but March Madness is the best. I think you just told everybody. I don't want to be that guy. Oh, yeah, sure, I did. <laughs> yeah, we are on a show here. As a kid, I loved basketball. Man, I was Mr. NBA. Sunday afternoon doubleheader, used to watch them all. And then, I don't know, somewhere around like 2000s, I kind of got out of basketball, but my seven-year-old daughter started playing the last two years, and I was a coach this year. And I'm getting back into it now because she's super into it and she's actually pretty good. <laughs> so it's also pure chaos at that age, man. Like everyone traveling all the time and stuff. It's not pure chaos yet, but I can feel like it's like, <laughs> I can feel it's gonna, I'm going to be that dad is like, no, you play this sport in this season and that sport. And the other thing, you be like Mike Trout. You be like Mike Trout. Don't go be like those kids that just play one sport. You be different. <laughs> So here's what we've got planned today, Joe. This is a really exciting show for me because we're going to be talking about values at ADP. We've got a lot of late round guys. I've got eight of them. You've got eight of them. At the end of the show, what we're going to do is we're going to go, you know, picks one through four. What would be the ideal four round start? Picks five through eight, ideal four round start. Picks nine through 12, ideal four round start. We'll close the show with that. Uh, Before we get into our top eight players, though, I want to tell everyone about our draft simulator. Oh, man, you guys are going to love this. First of all, it's free, okay? Just hear everything in the context of this is free. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm telling you guys that you are going to want to try this because it's amazing. It's super fast. You can cruise through a mock draft in what? Six, seven minutes. You can do three of them during your lunch break. I do like 200 of them every year. I'm not exaggerating. That way I'm prepared for every league, whatever league settings, you can customize it for your league settings. It's going to give you a grade at the end from every draft order so you're prepared no matter what draft pick you get. Uh, it's really fun, and it's super helpful as well. Check out the draft simulator at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. And again, it's free, guys. Fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. Can I plug it, too, because it's a, it is that good? Because that's what I did the entire week leading up to the labor draft. That a baby. And I'm sure you won. They probably already gave you the trophy. Well, I don't know if I already won or not. Well, time will tell. But I will say this. It was it was really useful to be able to revert picks back. And there's little tiny tools inside of there like that. Like, okay, I, made, I did this. 
what if I did this and you go backwards and forwards and, and all that kind of stuff. And then looking at the rosters and, and being able to, you know, plug in all the different features and then, and then run the drafts. It was like, I was Rocky, you know, and I was training and, and that's, that's, and I know, I understand you haven't seen that. See, now, you know, that's going over my head. I don't understand that reference, but I know if tags was here, he would know, but that's okay. (laughs) He knows. I'm glad you enjoy it. Now, let me ask you this, Joe. Did you sync it with your live draft? I did not sync it with my live draft. Did you know that we can do that? I, d- I didn't realize that. So you can be in the draft wizard room and actually pick from draft wizard. That way you still got, you know, all of these tools in your back pocket. It's like a team of experts in your war room. And uh, you got to realize it's a tough room. Labor's labor's a tough room. It's like it's Steve Gardner. It's it's Rudy Gamble. It's Paul Sporer from Black Book and Fangraphs. It's uh, Fred Zinke. It's Ryan Bloomfield, Tim McLeod, Pianowski. That's a good it's, group, man. It's a dumb group. <laughs> you know, so like it's, Steinhorn won last year. So it's like, you know, it, I don't know if I like I was just focused on not screwing up because I was horrible last year. It was my first year in labor and everything I touched just turned to ash. So this year I have to have a better I have better showing for sure. That happens to everyone sometimes, though, man. Let's hear who some of your players are. OK, the first one that I'm seeing. I like this call now. He's, it's not really a risk because of where we're taking him. ADP 350, you can get him in the very last round. But if he gets plate appearances, and we'll find out right away what Colorado's going to do, because every year it's super shady. We have no idea who they're going to start. Could be some random dude. And maybe it's Sam Hilliard. And if it's Sam Hilliard, we could be looking at a 290 average with 25 homers. Yeah, I think that's this is the point with Hilliard, is that he might not be the greatest head-to-head kind of guy right now, because we don't know what the playing time situation is. But if you look at possibly what's going on in Colorado. Like you said, number one, he's free. As of right now, he's slotted in there as the left fielder, but on the bench, there's still Tapia, there's still Ian Desmond, there's talk of Hampson getting some work in the outfield too. So there's options out there. However, Hilliard looks like he could certainly play above board. And when we're talking about return on investments, and we're talking in deeper leagues, Hilliard is a guy, it's free. You could put on your bench. If he has a great spring and you have an early draft, oh my God, what a great win. If all of a sudden he gets hurt or he's terrible or they send him down or something like that, he's the first guy off the island and you cut him. Sure. And so what? You don't lose anything. Exactly. And when you look at the history and the track record of David Dahl staying healthy, there could be opportunities in the outfield. Let's be honest. There's definitely those chances being out there. Charlie Blackman at some point in time could also be on the block. You never know. So I think Hilliard is one of these guys because he's so cheap. In deeper leagues, especially, he's not like a 12 team mixer necessarily, maybe a bench guy there. But in those 15 team leagues, I think you look at him and you go, hey, I plug him in. If it doesn't work out, if I'm drafting early, you know, this is another guy, too, that if he has a great spring, stock's going to go way past where he is ADP wise. And that's not great either. So he could be first guy off the island or he could be a guy that contributes. But either way, it's worth a pick right now, in my opinion, because of the upside. These are the types of guys that you want with your last couple round picks, because if you hit. Awesome. If not, so what? You cut him for somebody else that you could have drafted in the last round. Right. Why would you waste it on like a third catcher or something stupid? Like, what are you doing? Stop it. Like, don't do this. Just take somebody like this. Take somebody with upside. So here's what he did last year. Okay, guys, keep in mind, this is just 126 games. He hit 35 homers, 22 steals, 109 runs, 101 RBIs. He batted 262. Now, this has been a 300 hitter pretty much throughout his minor league career. So the batting average dipped a little bit, but he's got power. He's got speed, and he's going to be playing in cores, guys. That's a major upgrade from whatever ballpark he was playing in Albuquerque in uh, in 2019, I believe. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's about upside, ballpark factors, great, all those things. So who's your first guy off the board? Keone Kella. Ooh, there you go. Love that. Love that. 
I, anyone who listens to the show probably knew I was going to bring him up at some point if we're talking about these late round value guys against ADP. First of all, I want to share what Hilliard's ADP is, okay? So Hilliard's ADP is 350 right now. Uh, Keone Keller right now, 210. And we're talking about one of the best, what, 10, 15 relief pitchers in all of baseball whenever he's healthy. The problem is he wasn't healthy all of last year. But when he ended the way that he ended the season, he was one of the top five or 10 relief pitchers in baseball in the second half. Yeah, well, I... Uh, for the last six months, been doing radio with Craig Mish, and uh, Craig is tied into a lot of obviously, you know, under league baseball stuff. He's a guy that breaks news, and we had a big discussion about Keona Kella uh, a couple weeks ago. And he was his take on it was this: he is so unliked everywhere. Like he is just in real life, like he is just a miserable or nobody likes this guy. So there's a real thought process that they're going to take this guy, run him into the ground, get everything they can out of him. And that's great. Like that's great for 2020 fantasy leagues. Give me all that all the day. Wait, why why don't they why don't they like this guy? He's not Felipe Vasquez. He's well, he ain't that far off in terms of likability. Let's put it that way. Oh, there's no way that he's close to that man. It, but and that's the thing is, Keller doesn't have competition for the job because Vasquez is very likely going to be in prison. It's Crick. It's you know, no Vasquez is not. Crick is the only other guy around there. But the consensus is that they're going to chew him up and spit him out. Because he's kind of a bad clubhouse guy, let's put it that way. Like, he's he's one of these guys, that's why he's kind of bumped around a little bit outside Texas. But I, I love that one, because saves are saves, who cares where they come from? Well, and plus the ratios, I mean, his last 23 innings last year, he had 25 Ks, a 0.39 ERA. He was the man. Yeah, there's no reason not to take him. And when you think of... The closer position, the most dangerous thing you can do is overpay for somebody in the middle. I call it the Cody Allen effect, where you overpay for somebody who seemingly is fine, but you really don't know for sure. And there's always a little underlying things that make you question. And if you look at it historically, those are the kind of guys. And this year, Hansel Robles reeks of that to me. Yes. Would you put Brandon Workman in that group? Because Brandon Workman is my guy. And we're going to have a problem if you say he's in that group. No, I don't think I'm going to put Workman in that group. Because he's still a, a guy who's still climbing that ladder, whereas I think Robles got there. And now I think there's a little bit more of a sigh of relief around him that I'm not sighing at all. And I'm I'm not buying it. Plus, there's a lot of other guys in that bullpen who could potentially close and have the skill set for it. So that makes it very tenuous. What about Nick Anderson? Is he in that group? Uh, well, no, Nick Anderson, I don't think you can prove him as a closer yet. Well, he's another one of these guys that's really cheap. I want Workman, Nick Anderson, Keone Kella on every one of my teams. Joe Jimenez is on every one of my teams right now. Why? Because he's going to save 25, 30 games and nobody's going to take the job from him. <laughs> he's going to get, you know, 70, 80 Ks as well. OK, let's move on to uh, to your next guy here. And this is somebody that I would have definitely brought up. In fact, we talked about him pretty extensively on yesterday's show, along with Justin Upton, Justin Smoke. All of these guys would be on my list if we hadn't just talked about them, but you love Chris Archer too. Yeah, well, we're talking about guys outperforming ADP. 24 guys struck out 200 or more batters last year. That is a lot. If you go back 10 years ago, that number was 10. So that is a big difference, or 12, I think it was 10 or 12. So that is, that's huge, it's double. So you need a ton of strikeouts to be competitive in Roto formats. So I'm looking at Archer as a guy who was not healthy last year. I'm looking at Archer as a guy that historically, the one thing you could always say about him for better or worse of whip and ERA and anything else is, you know what? The K rate's always been strong. It's always been in the high nines to the 10 range. And guess what? Last year it was too. It's just a matter of the guy was not healthy. He had a shoulder issue. He tried to pitch through it for 20 games. It did not work out. And boom, there you go. It's it's done. It's over with. 
And now, hopefully, as long as he shows out healthy, he's a nice little source of cheap Ks. If you get a four ERA, great. If he pitches better than that, who knows? He could find himself on another team in a a better position for possible Ws. So all my guys are, I think, 250 or later. I tried to really go deep here, you know, because we never talk about enough of these guys. Everyone wants to talk about the guys at the top of the sheet. I want to talk about some of the guys at the bottom. I challenge myself, and he's at what? 348. 348, man. Yeah, his his ADP, that's the average draft position, is 348. So undrafted in most leagues. How many guys in that range have one, two, three, 200 strikeout seasons under their belt? Nobody. Why not take a shot? Uh, and Chris Archer's eight, uh, ECR, that's the expert consensus ranking, again, where we take the consensus of the analysts in the industry and say this as a whole is what they think about the player. Number 225, 123 spots higher. 10 rounds higher is what the experts recommend compared to his ADP. I know he's burned you. It, this is not, This is a great investment. It's a last-round pick, guys, for somebody who could be a top 30 starting pitcher. Yeah, it's all strikeout upside to me. And again, you can't get enough of them this year. So just the, the most you can pile up, the, the better you are. So uh, I guess I'm going with back-to-back uh, kind of turd personalities here but is there a reason that ryan braun is like hardly being drafted i think it's because they're looking at him kind of being at the end here and the injuries and you know uh probably one of the guys that's actually on my list who i like they brought in a couple guys here where he's getting squeezed a little bit now i think braun will play but the question is how much and the question is you know can he withstand a full season those are legitimate questions he's never been able to he's not a full season guy but He's still got a ton done. I mean, let's just look at him, okay? In 2019 last year, he played 100 fewer plate appearances than Andrew Benintendi, who's going, by the way, 225 picks higher. Braun had 10 more homers. He had more stolen bases. He had more runs. He had more RBIs. He batted 20 points higher. This is what Braun does every single freaking year, and every year he's underrated. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at him, he is going to be 36 this year. I think you were probably looking at a 70-20-70 kind of a player. That makes sense to me. If he plays 144. 70 homers, 20 stolen bases? No, 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 no. It's uh, (laughs) it's 20 home runs. No, 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 no. But look, you're right in terms of the cheap stolen bases, too. And and when you're looking for some cheap stolen bases, I'll tell you what, last year was a good bounce back because the previous season with 125 games, his OPS was down to 782. Last year, it was back up to 849. That's that's terrific. That's more the brawn we expect. Even then, though, even in his down year, he had 20 and 11 in 125 games. I think Braun is the kind of player that he'll give you decent quality stats where you're out there. I think he hurts you more in any head-to-head format because when he's hurt or when he's day-to-day or any of that stuff and you set a lineup, you're kind of frustrated. So I think if you're in as a, as a utility bat or as a bench bat in season-long roto, okay. Because you'll take the quality because you're not worried so much about what he does uh, on a daily basis. Like, what did he do over the month? Oh, okay, it was pretty good. I'll take that against more quality over quantity when it comes to his stats at this stage in his career. So here's a couple guys who are going ahead of him, okay? Outfielders. Ryan Braun, ADP 263. It's a 22nd round. Buster Posey's going ahead of him. Hunter Renfro's going ahead of him. Austin Hayes. Dylan Carlson, who might not be up for in June. Easy. He's on my list. Dylan Carlson? <laughs> no. Well, actually, no. Oh, Austin Hayes? Austin Hayes is on the list, baby. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, we'll get there in a little bit, but I mean, you'd rather have these guys than, than Ryan Braun? I think Hayes still has upside, but 
the Braun argument is not one that's lost on me. And especially it's because of those extra 10 stolen bases he's going to give you in season-long Roto. I play in a lot of head-to-head points leagues. Guys like Braun can be kind of frustrating in that sense. Plus, we typically, like mine's a, my home league's a 16-team, three outfielder starting every week with two utilities. When you're in those five active outfielder leagues with 15 teams, that's more where Braun comes into play in those kind of formats in the season-long Roto. All right, let's move on to your next player here. Austin Riley. Let's not forget the guy did come up and was brilliant for a run. And then he got exposed and he got some mechanical things got out of whack. And this is called the the learning curve. And it just makes me laugh that everybody can be all in on a guy, right? Everyone's super excited about Austin Riley a couple years ago, right? Then he kind of has a down year in minor league baseball. Then he has a brilliant year. Oh my God, he's, he's playing so well. Austin Riley's back. Go buy all the shares. He comes up to Atlanta. He is raking. He is absolutely spectacular. He's hitting home runs every night. I'm loving him on the DFS show. Chris Meadey and I are are getting all these Austin Riley shares. And then what happens? Got exposed. Got a little out of whack. Confidence got hurt. Okay, and things fell off the map. That's normal. Like, he actually, he's only going to be 23 this season. And the fact that Atlanta was willing to let Donaldson walk tells you what they think about Austin Riley and what they've always thought about him, which is he is the guy who is the heir apparent. I don't think Camargo is going to be that everyday player. Unless Austin Riley really struggles. And I think he's going to be given every opportunity to win and keep that job. And let us not forget about Cody Bellinger's struggles. Let us not forget about Raphael Devers' struggles. I know they're so hard to remember two whole years ago, boys and girls. But this happens to young players. And then, if you believe in the talent, and you believe in the track record in the minor leagues and what you see on the field, they will play through that. And the same thing goes for Reese Hoskins this year. He is in that same trajectory of Bellinger Endeavors last year, where I told you in the Black Book, go make sure you get these guys, buy them cheap in all Dynasty Leagues now, and if you did last year, you were loving life, because let me tell you, people were a little afraid of Cody Bellinger last year going into drafts. They were afraid of Devers. How'd that work out? Austin Riley doesn't have that same upside, but it's the same idea. He is basically free. Why not take a shot on him? And he qualifies in more than one position in most leagues. So Joe, Max Muncy, ADP number 73. Here's what he did last year. 35 homers. 99 RBIs, he batted 253. Here's Austin Riley extrapolated out to a full season. 36 homers, 99 RBIs, he batted 226. So the batting average is lower. But this is somebody who's going 200 picks lower than Max Muncy. Max Muncy plays everywhere. Max Muncy, look, first year Max Muncy, I went, okay, 35-79, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm skeptical. Last year, all of those fears were assuaged. I'm perfectly fine. Paul Spore and I, last time on Fangraphs, on Sleeper in the Bus, it was like an hour-long love letter to Max Muncy, the two of us. It was hilarious. And we're just going through it. And because we look at it and we say, second base is not very good this year. You got Altuve, you got Gleyber Torres. It's a couple guys that I like here and there that you can make a case for, but it's kind of tough. How many guys are going to go out there and hit 35 bombs at that ADP? And look, he's done it two years in a row now. The lineup is stacked, dude. I'm with you. And the OPS was lower than it was the year before, but still... When you look at the overall productivity, the fact that the OBP stayed above that 370 range tells you that he's a pretty good hitter. He means he has got good pitch recognition. My point is just that Austin Riley's a kind of similar type of player who's, yeah, he doesn't play all the positions. His batting average is a little bit lower, but you're getting a 200 pick discount. I think Austin Riley's a good value. He is. He is. I don't, if Austin Riley can give you this year 25 home runs with 75 runs in RBI and 25 dingers, and he hits 250, 260. At that ADP, that is a great value. That's a useful player. 
I don't know if he's hitting 250 or 260, but the 35 homers, I think, is a legitimate possibility. I think he's a better hitter than you want to give him credit for from the second half there because he's not as good as he was in the first part where he was hitting, what, like 400 <laughs> at one point? Right, right. So everything, I and mean, that's baseball. Everything had to come back, you know, the hot streak he was on. But if you go back and you look at the minor league track record, it's it's there. He's a good, solid hitter. There's been some good batting average years, too. I, I think he's... I think he's just, like I said, the fact that Atlanta is showing you confidence tells you, and let's not forget, too, look at how good Atlanta's been in being right. They were right about Acuna. They were right about Albies. They were right about a lot of these guys. So they're very good at bringing in their own players, Freddie Freeman. They are. They have a good track record of growing good position players. So I may have talked about this guy a little bit too much, my next guy, um, but I'm all in on his ADP this year. He's going right now, pick 280 right behind Mike Yastrzemski, Randall Grichik. Yanni Chirinos, David Fletcher, John Birdie. Like some of you guys probably haven't heard of all of these players. Tommy Listella, Carter Keyboom. Uh, I like Carter Keyboom. He's on the list. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, yeah, th- those are going to be some fun ones, but that's what we call a tease, Bobby. That's, that's what that is. What I'm trying to say is uh, Will Myers. We're talking about somebody who very recently went 30-20. He's still in his prime. I mean, he turns 29 years old this season. And last year, even in a down year, what do he do? He went 18 homers, 16 steals. This is a guy who, if he gets traded to the Red Sox, could absolutely take off in that lineup, not playing in San Diego's park every day. I mean, the guy has great power. He's got great speed. The batting average is never going to be there. But in Boston, there's talks that he's going to be traded to Boston still. This could be an incredible value in the 23rd round. I'll say this. You sound a lot like me last year when I was making the case for him. (laughs) I make the case for Will Myers every year, baby. Well, I was making the case off the 83 games. I said, look, he missed half a season. You know, it's kind of tough when you're hurt and and all that stuff. But all of his all all the peripherals were right in line with everything else. Then last year, he played 155 games and he was on that labor team I just talked about last year that did not perform very well. And it was it was brutal, you know, and if he gets traded to Boston, I'm listening again. But for now, I'm going to be out because I just I'm not sure where or how he fits into the plans. And I feel like they've soured on him. Now, the good news is he's still just 29. So there's still some potential, you know, 29 to 31 is the peak most of the years anyway for a baseball player. So if he gets a change of scenery, which I think would be the best thing for him, that would be good. I think a move to the American League would be good, too. Um, But especially that division. But we'll see what happens with him. I am out on him for now. But I can certainly understand in Roto why you'd still look at him and say, hey, he's potentially a 2020 player very late. That is useful. Sure. All right. Let's see who you're going with for your next one. All right. This next one is a guy that won a Cy Young not that long ago. Oh, no. Okay. We're going to fight on this one. I'm sorry. I'm not. I am not into this one. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to fight. Let's go. <laughs> Let's fight over the Italian from Jersey. Ricky Porcello. How you doing, Ricky? No. See, look. <laughs> Here's the thing. I am not a Rick Porcello guy. Everybody who knows me knows this. I literally have made fun of him in the black book for years and his 5.1 K per nine when he was with the Tigers. Like I, I used to trash him like the annually is like, I used to look forward to it. Is it Rick Porcello profile day? I get to write hooray. And I get to trash him. And then something interesting happened. He got the strikeout rate higher into the Okay, I can tolerate you in the seven eights and the low eights. Okay, that's good. I can handle that K per nine. And I'm not saying he's a great pitcher because he's not. He's far too hittable. However, the situation of moving from the American League to the National League at 31 years old, the one thing you can say about him is the strikeout rate has improved over the years. That is number one. 
better ballpark number two. So maybe his ERA over his last 17 starts dropped from 675 to six. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, man. <laughs> oh, look, hey. He won 17 games. He won 22 games. Look, take the 2016 year and you could throw it out the window. But if a, if he can pitch into the 3-8 ERA range in the National League, it's the durability. And that doesn't seem impossible. I mean, 2018, he was at 4.28 in the AL East. Dude, the guy averages 32 starts a season for the last 10 years. That's his average. 32 starts a season. That is incredible when you think about modern-day baseball. I'm not saying he's going to win you a league, but I'm saying in terms of rotation depth, which is what you need in fantasy, Rick Porcello is cheap for rotation depth, and I think that's my argument for him at the ADP. Not that he's great, but that, hey, you're going to need some starters, (laughs) and he's going to be on there, and he is going to take the mound every fifth day. That's the one plus about Porcello. 32 stars, 33, 33, 33, 28, 32, 32, 31, 31. I mean, it's crazy here. The guy just, how many times do we always bitch and complain about guys who don't take the ball every fifth day? This guy does. So, you know what? I want to give him credit for that. National League is a spot. And Bobby, he's on the one-year show-me deal. And I love nothing more than guys pitching or pitting for money. And that's what he's doing this year. I love that. You know, I actually have changed my mind a little bit. I don't think this is the worst call in the world. I'm not going to draft him. At 314, he's 314. Come on, it's free. See, Dylan Bundy's at 345. I'm going to just drive Dylan Bundy instead of Rick Porcello. Yeah, but one of them's on a show me deal. <laughs> <laughs> Bundy has had a lot of injuries. He has had some very bad seasons. He's also got two extremely good pitches. They've both got a lot of upside. They're pretty similar, actually. I'm taking Dylan Bundy, though. Uh, and actually, the other guy, the next guy I'm going to talk about here. Dylan Bundy wishes he could have a 32 stunts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's not. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think the ratios are going to be better, though. Uh, my next guy is actually right ahead of Rick Porcello. So this is someone that I'd be drafting instead. Brandon McKay. This was the best pitcher in the minor leagues last year before he got called up. He had a 1.10 ERA in 73 innings. His whip was 0.814. He had 102 Ks in those 73 innings. I mean, this guy was absolutely filthy in the minor leagues. And yeah, he's going to hit a little bit too, which is kind of helpful. But we're talking about maybe the best rookie pitcher in baseball going after Rick Porcello. Yeah, well, I think the part of the problem is you also look and you say, okay, how are the Rays managing things? How is he going to play into things? And, and, and that's legitimate. It's a legitimate question there. And the 26th man is really curious because... Players like McKay, these two-way guys, really exciting because it gives them an opportunity there, I think, to to impact games a little bit more. You're absolutely right in terms of there's certainly upside there, and he was brilliant in AA, no doubt about that. He had uh, some good starts in AAA as well. The guy, what I like the most about him is he limits the walks, and that's what's so exciting to me. I like pitchers who don't walk anybody. You look at his K-to-walk ratio and, and the strikeout-to-walk ratio, and it looks like you know, something reminiscent of like the Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee kind of a thing. And, you know, those guys are always very exciting because when you limit base runners, you limit the opportunity to get exposed. That typically keeps your ERA down. It typically keeps your whip down and typically ends up increasing your opportunity for a win. And we all know when we're talking about organizations. Tampa knows how to bring up pitching. They know how to cultivate it. And McKay looks like the next in that line of pitchers. So I'm fine with that. I think I still like him better as a long-term asset than I do as a 2020, but I still like him as a 2020 asset as well. Are you worried whatsoever that he might not be in the rotation? I think he's going to get 20 starts. 
how that happens will be fascinating to watch how it unfolds because I think there's volatility in that rotation. <laughs> you know, I think when you put glass, no Snell, you know, I mean, and as great as Charlie Morton is, he's no spring chicken. So, you know, I don't want Charlie Morton to break down. Please don't break down Charlie Morton. I beg you. <laughs> but at the same time, I think you have to be realistic and say, okay, there's opportunity here for McKay. I think McKay is kind of one of these, he's a great fit when you've drafted a team and you're like, Man, I need some starting pitching upside. That's where you go. I think when you go late, it's Porcello is a guy where you go, I need some stability. Like, I've got a ton of upside. Like, I've got some guys who could be awesome, but you know what? I need a guy just in case they're not. And I think that's part of roster construction. It reminds me of Tyler Glass now last year, Blake Snell the year before. Yeah, I think that's really good. Look, the, the back of this rotation is not great. You know they're going to use those openers and those other wacky things, but I would say that McKay somehow makes 20 starts this year. That would be my number. Is that a good number? It's a good number. To, I, I would take 20 starts because I think we're going to get good ratios uh, in those 20 starts, and I'd rather have him than somebody who's durable and, and given bad ratios. Again, season-long roto, better investment than a head-to-head format of any kind. All right, your next player I got really excited about yesterday with Frank Stample when we were talking because I had no idea how low Chris Davis with a K's ADP was. 282, Joe. What what's happening? What, what what are we doing here? Do we just are we have we become such a hot take society here where we just can't remember anything that happened yesterday or like the last 5 years consecutive? <laughs> or that. It's an excellent point. I I I don't know. I I am at a loss here. All this guy does every year is hit 40 bombs at 100 RBI, right? And last year he has a down year. He's dealing with injuries. He's hurt. He hits 247 every year for five years. He was the same exact player until he got hurt, and then he was all of a sudden not very good. But he was hurt. And I'm buying back in everywhere. And part of the reason it's so low is because he is a DH. To which I say, is it not a position? Of course it is. Because you have to understand, the the carousel of guys you're going to be running in and out of that spot, if you don't have a Nelson Cruz or somebody, an elite kind of bat, you are basically at the mercy of kind of, you know, spinning your wheels and trying to get all these guys. You're telling me you're going to find guys are going to equal 44 home runs and 110 RBI? I don't think so. So why not take that? Why not take the advantage there, especially when it's going so damn cheap? I don't understand it when you need so much power nowadays, especially in season long. To me, 282, Chris Davis right now. That's your consensus fantasy pros ADP. Bobby, I don't get it. I don't understand why it's fallen that dramatically. Don't blame fantasy pros, man. We're just reporting the data. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know you're not. But I mean, that's that's crazy, right? It's stupid. It's not. Cra- it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I already went on a rant yesterday about it when I found out what his ADP was. So I'll. Uh, sp- well, Frank and I see eye to eye on that. Frank and I actually just did a show two weeks ago. <laughs> so man, I, I couldn't believe how much Frank and I agreed on. Like, it was kind of annoying to the listeners. I'd be willing to bet. Well, I'm sure you and I can fight about something here. I'm glad that I convinced you about Porcello. Though. That was no, I mean you didn't convince you convinced me not to be mad at you about and judge you about Porcello. I think after the show, you had good reasons for why you like Porcello. You didn't sell me. It's like that joke that someone tells you, and it's not really funny. And then, like you know, you're in the freezer getting the ice out of the freezer, and you think about it, and you chuckle to yourself. It's going to be you. You're going to be at the end of a draft. No, I'm not drafting Rick Porcello, Joe. Not happening, man. <laughs> I want to see that screenshot. I want to see it on my phone. I want you to text me and say, all right, I'm horrible. I hate myself. <laughs> and there it is, Rick Porcello. If it happens, I will text you immediately. I want to see that screenshot, Bobby. That's what I want. <laughs> Here's my next one. Let's see if we can fight on this one, okay? I'm actually going to do it in the form of a trivia question. So I'm just going to read 
from bottom to top, number 12 to number one in expected WOBA on Baseball Savant. So I've explained this before. If you're new to the podcast, I'll explain it one more time. Expected WOBA takes quality of contact, so exit velocity, uh, launch angle, and it says, on average, this ends up being uh, a certain type of hit. 25% chance at a double, 15% chance at a single, uh, you know, 60% chance or whatever uh, at an out. And then based on all of your quality of contact over your 500 plate appearances, it says this is what you should be as a hitter. That way we can measure luck. Okay, now here's the top 12 in expected Woba, the best hitters in baseball last year. George Springer, J.D. Martinez, Aaron Judge, Juan Soto. I'm moving up. So number eight, Mookie Betts. Number seven, Jordan Alvarez. Number six, Anthony Rendon, Nelson Cruz. I'm going to skip number four here. This is the trivia question. Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, number one. So the question is, Joe, this guy has an ADP of 301. These are all qualified hitters with at least 350 plate appearances. He finished number four in expected Woba. Who is this mystery hitter? 301. I can't be the guy that's that's on 301 on Fantasy Pros here. Is that what you're telling me? It's this name? It can't be Howie Kendrick, can it? Howie Kendrick, baby. What? He batted 344 last year with 17 bombs and 334 at-bats. Yes, but that's, I think, an outlier when you look at what he's... I mean, that's uh, absolutely not who he is, but he's always a 300 hitter, right? He's always a 300 hitter, and finally the power came. He's always... The hit tool in terms of batting average has always been there. So, like, he's not going to bat 344. Is he going to bat 300? Probably. No, look, this guy could hit 300 in his sleep. I mean, you go back to when he was a kid with the Angels. I mean, that was the one thing about Kendrick. He said, okay, maybe, maybe his doubles hitter will turn into some power at some point, but you know the batting average will be there. Well, it never really turned into power, but I, I think it also, you know, we're on that high from the World Series still where, you know, Kendrick had some great moments there. Uh, I think Kendrick's role is exactly where it is. I think he's going to play a little first base, going to play all over the diamond a little bit. But my guy who's on my list, I think, is going to eat into his potential at-bats at some point in the season, possibly start the year. Oh, crud. I was, see, I was going to ask. That's the thing. Is he going to get 500 at-bats? Because if he does, this is going to be an absolute steal. When's the last time he got 500 at-bats? Oh, I, I don't think it's probably going to happen. But what I'm saying is even if he gets 350 and repeats half of this, he was such a great player. And here's the thing. Like, everything is backed up by the underlying data. His K-rate dropped from 20.4% to 13.2. His hard hit, hit rate has gone in the last two years from 34 to 48. His uh, average exit velocity has gone from 87 to 92. He's just become a much better hitter. Launch angle from 0.8 to 11 on average. I don't know how this happens to guys, but it happened to Howie Kendrick as a 36-year-old. He went from being a mediocre hitter who has a decent batting average to destroying MLB in hard hit percentage Exit velocity, expected woba, everything. Well, there's a time and a place for everybody. And I think in OBP leagues, the fact that he had a 395 OBP last year because of all these deep stats you're giving me, that is something that he's intriguing in a deeper OBP format. That I can make a case for. But the last time, by the way, he had 500 at-bats in a season. You ready for this? 2014. That's a long time ago. It's many, many moons ago <laughs> for Howie Kendrick. <laughs> so it's uh, not something he does quite a bit. And it's funny because the Howie Kendrick that I know is a guy that, you know, typically didn't walk a lot anyway. He never was a big guy who, in terms of walks. So, I mean, look, it was a small sample last year, the 334 at-bats, and they were super productive. I'm not going to take anything, anything away from him. This team did a bad job of filling the hole left by Anthony Rendon. 
I understand they're kind of trying to move Trey Turner to the three hole and Victor Robles to the number one spot. I know everyone's like, that's never going to happen. Which really bumps up Victor Robles, in my opinion, by the way. it He's the big winner there, for sure. And I actually think Turner will be fine. I think any discount you get on Turner because of it, I actually find him more intriguing. Well, I don't know, because he's not going to steal as many bases, probably. Yeah, but he's going to have 20-something more RBI in that spot, just from a batting order standpoint. Maybe 10 fewer runs. Uh, maybe, but not necessarily. I mean, I mean, Anthony Rendon was 100 and 100 out of that three-hole for the Nats last year. Why can't Trey Turner be that guy? Why can't he have 100 runs, especially with his speed? I mean, that's that's no problem. It's, you know, just matters. What are you going to get out of that con- that glob of Cabrera, Castro, the older guys? But I have a solution to that, and he's on my list, but uh, he's not next. Do you want me to get to him anyway? Because it's a fancy segue. I have one more thing to add here, and this is really interesting, okay? So I'm looking for a comp. I'm looking for guys who have surprisingly finished in the top 10 in expected WOBA without too many uh, plate appearances, just to see how they ended up doing. One of them last year, Max Muncy, he ended up being great, right? There were a lot of question marks about him. Another one, Kendrick Morales, he didn't end up doing that great. Another one, Alex Avila, what happened to him? He didn't end up doing great. Uh, so maybe you're on to something here, man. I think they're just anomalies. I think uh, I think that you have, that's the beauty of baseball, is guys go on runs where they just, you know, the ball looks enormous and they just, they're just locked in. And when you only have 300 at-bats, it's much easier to have everything look rosy. It's also, going back to Austin Riley, much easier for things to look terrible, too. Smaller sample size magnify things. Mike Trout, if you go back to his rookie season, he looked terrible. We already did the Bellinger thing. Remember how bad Bellinger's summer was two years ago? People wanted to just dump him everywhere. It was hilarious. I just, just give him to me. I'll dig him. I mean, come on. <laughs> but you know what? Now we have to transition because you want to talk about I've been putting it off for a long time. Sorry, man. A guy whose small sample size was not very good last year was Carter Keboom. All right. Carter Keboom, small sample size. Dude, you mean to tell me that you're going to draft someone who batted 128 last year in 39 at bats? Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, he in 11 games? Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. People are going to look at this and they're going to be like, oh, he's, he kind of sucks. Guys, it was like 10 games. Who is he in the minor leagues? He's he's a 300 hitter. Now, look, in you got to take the PZL with a grain of salt. Okay, because it's PCL, but he was only 21 last year in the PCL. Okay, that's still very young at AAA. Let's not forget in terms of development, that's a young age. So 16 home runs, 79 RBI, 79 runs scored in 109 games. The guy had almost a 3-4-5. 68 walks in that time, too. He's That's his, his calling card is his eye, and that's going to help in runs. But that's what was Rendon's calling card, too, as he began to emerge. He was a guy who had a strong OBP. Now, look, 3-4-5 slash guys do not grow on trees. He had 300, 409 OBP with a 493 slugging, 902 OPS. That's what it adds up to. That is some serious stuff. Now, if you want to also talk about the fact he's been a very quick riser from A to double A, he doesn't spend a, he didn't spend a full season anywhere. This also means he's getting to levels. He's surpassing them. So what? He had a bad 11 game stretch. Who cares? It's too early to write him off. And there's a chance that he has a good spring and wins that everyday job at third base. And that's part of the reason they didn't bring it back Rendon. It's part of the reason they didn't go after a Donaldson because they felt if we bring up Soto, we bring up Robles, Kibum's the next guy in this class. And there you go. And you continue to replenish from within. And they almost need that to happen because when you have that much money tied up in the pitchers like Strasburg, like Scherzer, like Corbin, you need these position players to come at a, at a discount. And right now, Keyboom is going to be part of that discount plan. So he is going to get every opportunity to win that job. And don't be surprised 
if he's the everyday guy coming even on, on opening day, it would not shock me. Here's my problem with Keyboom, okay? It's a silly name. It's a funny name. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. His ADP 265, his ECR 334. Like everyone we've been talking about, the experts agree that they're a great value compared to ADP. You're a little bit out on a limb with this one, 70 spots lower. Now, I get it. He's a very good prospect. I think he's more of a real life, a good real life player than he is a fantasy ready player. This is where baseball knowledge comes into fantasy because I think organizationally they need him to to be this guy. And I think they they want to develop him there. They need to develop him there. And it's there's only so long you can patch things together with the Estrubo Cabreras and the Starling Castros of the world and the Howie Kendricks of the world. It's it, There's a lot of age there. Ryan Zimmerman, all these guys are 110 years old. You need Keyboom to be that guy. Now, that might not happen right away. They might say, hey, go play, you know, uh, you know, another two months down in, in, in AAA, and then you come up in June. Next thing you know, he's the guy the rest of the way. Well, maybe, but you look at every depth chart, and they're expecting him to start. I, I expect him to start. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. And how many, and, and that's the whole thing. Let's Let's play into the expectations a little bit. And we'll see what happens. Again, it's not costing you that much to find out. Who's your next guy? Actually, I, I'm going to skip around a little bit. No, I'm going to go with someone who's right behind Keyboom that I prefer a little bit more. And this is another small sample size guy where it's like, what in the world is going on here? Like Tommy Listella all of a sudden is not just has decent power. He has elite power. Is that what we're talking about here? 16 homers and 292 at bats. What in the world is going on? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think I'm ready to buy it. I don't know. He batted 295 as well. Uh, I mean, this is what he did his first five years in the big leagues. 947 plate appearances, so like two full seasons, okay? He hit 10 homers. 10 homers. So did he just like suddenly become an actual real good hitter? It's possible. You know, it's funny. I think the, the best, the only, I didn't own him anywhere, but in terms of usage, I did use him in DFS because... What you get is there's a lot of West Coast bias in terms of negative uh, costs because they want to get you to play the late slate. So they make things a little bit looser, especially on places like FanDuel. And Lostello was one of the great values last year on FanDuel pricing. So he he's a guy that I had a lot of shares of there. Uh, season long, I don't look, I can certainly make the case for it. I don't think it's crazy, but I will say this. It's he's one of those guys, though, if it went back the other way, would it shock you? No. So that's why I'd rather certain guys I'd rather have in DFS, certain guys I'd rather have in season long formats. And I think Lestella is a guy I'll still take the discount there where I don't have to own him and I don't have to be disappointed. I can dump him whenever I want to and not use him. Is there a chance that he is? I'm not saying he is J.D. Martinez, but he does the J.D. Martinez thing where it's like, hold, hold on a second, this guy. And then he turns into an all-star every year. It's possible. I don't want to put him as J.D. Martinez. Let's not get that far. Well, no. I mean, he's, he's not going to compete for a triple <laughs> crown or anything like that. I'm just saying that he takes a huge jump like that. Because we're, we're talking about someone who's hard, again, hard hit rate soared this year. His exit velocity, his launch angle soared. Look at Jorge Soler and what he did. Yeah, but Jorge Soler was kind of always that. He just couldn't stay healthy. He was always that guy. He was just always hurt. Yeah, and he just never got given the clear path. And when he was, he kept getting hurt. But look, it happens. You know, guys make improvements. Uh, Whit Merrifield was a player that nobody thought was going to be anything. And look what he's become. I mean, are there many 200 hit 100 run seasons? I don't see. I don't mind drafting these guys that everyone just says, well, he's due for regression. Well, maybe, but maybe he's this is just who he is. Well, at the right cost, I think that's fine. Well, you know, one of the guys I actually want to replace on my list because 
I had Avicel Garcia on my list, but I feel like we kind of talked about him a little bit with Ryan Braun and how that whole thing's going to work out, maybe. You better talk about Avicel Garcia because he would have been my number one, but you stole him. All right, I stole him. So you, you here, you just get two this time. Do you want him instead, since you want to talk about him so much? You want me to give him back to you? I can't take him because I talk about him every show and people are going to get annoyed at me. All right, well, I'll talk about him briefly and then move on <laughs> for the same reason. Moving into Milwaukee, which is does wonders for people's power. Okay, we all know this. Look at look at how Prince Fielder was when he left Milwaukee. Okay, enough said. <laughs> like, you know, look at Yelich before and then in Milwaukee. It's just, it's a wonderful ballpark for home runs. And uh, it's a good opportunity there for him. It's all about playing time. And he's moving from Tampa Bay, too. Like, let's not act like he's lo- moving from a neutral park. Big pitcher's park. And it's a big plus. And he's a guy that can give you a handful of stolen bases, too. He's a guy that can give you a good 280 batting average. A guy that can pop 25 bombs. He batted 330 in 2017. The guy, the guy's a good hitter. The guy in a positive ballpark effect, I can't wait to see what happens. But there's another guy that, as we were talking, I realize is on a lot of my teams because he's basically cheap. Another short deal. It's Cesar Hernandez. And when you're looking for a guy who's got a little power and a little speed, he's it. Every year, man. How easy is this value every freaking year? Every year, he's going to give you 15 and 15 pretty much. Last year, the stolen bases were down a little bit. They're going to be back up in Cleveland. Don't worry about that. When you're trying to find a guy who's a cheap second baseman or more like a cheap middle infielder, where you're like, oh, where am I going to go with middle infield? We talked earlier about how second base isn't great. You know what? Cesar Hernandez is a guy that can get 15-15. If he's, depending on where he's in the batting order, he's probably going to score, eight, you know, 75-80 runs potentially. And, you know, the guy had 31 doubles last year. It's not, it's, he's not like he's a bad hitter, okay? He's, he's a pretty good little player. He just gets kind of lost in the shuffle. He's boring. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'll take... He has a very generic name as well, which, you know, helps people fly under the radar. That's true. But I, I think also, when you at, we were talking about Lestella, why he came to mind is that I'm like, well, you know, I could take Cesar Hernandez and I have a pretty good idea of who he is. Lestella, man, he could be better than... I'll take a chance at 35 homers, though. You're not getting that from Hernandez. You're getting 15 and 10 and with a good batting average. But I could get 15 to 20 stolen bases, and I think that's the thing that's intriguing about him. Okay. I want to just go back to Garcia really quick. His three-year per 162 game average. So over the last three years, you extrapolate it out to a full season. He's a 27-10 guy with a 288 batting average. Oh, you're not going to find that at that stage in the draft. And that was in Chicago and Tampa. And he moves to M- Milwaukee now. The dude is going to be awesome this year. Yeah, I, I think Garcia's in a good spot there. ADP 250, ECR 60 spots higher. I got to be down on somebody. And it, I don't know if it's Smoke yet. I don't know if it's Braun, but I got to be down on somebody. Give me all three of them, baby. I'll get two great players out of those three. Just rotate them in. Yep. All in on the Brewers. All right, who's your, I guess. One of them is Ryan Presley, and uh, he's not especially exciting, but he's a guy who is just going to dominate the ratios for you year in and year out. Uh, he's not going to get a bunch of saves now. If the closer in Houston goes down, of course, Presley's going to be the, well, you would think Presley would be the guy because he's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Each of the last two years, his uh, his whip has been 0.6 and 0.9. His ERA, 0.77, 2.32, strikes out a ton of guys as well. I mean, the guy is just disgusting. This is like Dallin Batonsis a couple years ago. You can get him towards the end of your drafts. Uh, and then the last guy I want to talk about is Garrett Richards, who all the underlying metrics say the dude just has awesome stuff. Hopefully he's finally healthy, but you know what? If he's not finally healthy, so what? He's a last-round pick. You just cut him, but there's a lot of upside here. Yeah, I would agree. I think you'd add Lugo to that list of guys, too, who are really good relievers who just, you know, if you're just looking for 
quality innings? Can you get quality innings? You know, maybe you're not going to, you know, or in a holds league too. I mean, there's there's guys out there like Presley, like Lugo that you can, if pitching doesn't go your way, you can figure out. Uh, but the last guy for me is Austin Hayes, who was a guy that I was in on last year. Didn't work out for me because of the injury, obviously. But uh, if you go back and, you know, you look at a guy, you want to talk about risers, right? You want to talk about guys who are hitting those levels in the minor leagues there. And he went from, you know, A ball to double A in 2018, 2019. Uh, look, I feel like this is a guy that when I watched him play in spring training last year, I saw a lot of good things. I think this guy has a lot of upside. He's got a loud Batman. In minor leagues, he had an 835 OPS and he hit 286 in 328 games. I think this is a player that if you can get him into Camden Yards with everyday at bats, I'm not saying he's going to be Trey Mancini, but look at Renato Nunez and what that guy did in Camden Yards. So let's let's get him up there. Let's get him into Camden Yards. And I think he is a free player who could be a very nice ROI. I mean, this is a guy a couple years ago in the minor leagues hit 329 with 32 bombs, 15 steals. He batted 350 the year before. It's when he was in the NCAA, so that doesn't really count. But still impressive. 350 anywhere is impressive. But no, you're right. It's it's a guy that he could hit. I like the Hayes call better than than Keyboom, and they're about in the same range. Now I don't mind Keyboom at all. I I just do like Hayes quite a bit. Now of course I'm taking Ryan Braun there. Um, but I wanted to throw this stat out. I meant to pull it up, but um, we moved on to Austin Hayes really quick. Here's Garrett Richards since 2014. I'm not taking anything out. This is who he's been. 89 starts with three season sample size. Now, he can't stay healthy, but if he does, this is who Garrett Richards always is. 3.23 ERA in a 90-game stretch. 1.18 whip, strikes out a batter per inning. It's a really good starting pitcher to get in your last round. Yeah, no risk, all reward. I mean, at this point, that's what he is. And I like that Padres team. It's going to be a a competitive team. I don't know how many games they're going to win. I think if they're 500, that's a plus. I don't think that'll be a disappointment for them, but I don't think it's a terrible thing. But it's, uh, they're still looking up at the Dodgers, let's put it that way. I agree. I think Richards will win some games if he can finally stay healthy, and we'll see if that happens. Now, here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to go picks one through four. Obviously, you're taking, you know, Acuna, Trout, Yelich, one through three, or Bellinger at four. It just depends on where you stand. Who's your favorite of these three, though, Acuna, Trout, Yelich? You know what? In the season-long roto, it is hard to ignore Ronald Acuna's stolen bases, because Trout really has, you know, moved off that. And that's what happens at that stage in their career. I don't think Acuna is going to move off that. Um, so even if Acuna regresses a little bit as a total package of offense, I still think he's going to help you more in that format. If you're in a points league, that's a different story. I think you can make the case for Trout. You can make the case for Yelich. I'm go- I'm going Yelich number one overall. In a points league, to be honest with you, you could really make the case for Bellinger in head-to-head points too because of the walks. So, uh, you know, I'm actually more tempted to go with Bellinger ahead of all of them because he plays first base and outfield, and that allows me to let the draft come to me. And first base is not that great this year, so I actually would in head-to-head points make the case for Bellinger one overall. Wow, man. Okay, that's very interesting. He had more points than any of the other ones last year in head-to-head points leagues. People don't realize that. If Yelich or Trout would have stayed healthy, though, they would have been number one. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, but Trout's been hurt more than once now. Sure, you're right about that. You're right about that. Uh, Yelich is my 1-1 in any format, and I'm like the only person in the industry. That's because you like tall, lanky white guys, because they remind (laughs) me of you. That's what it is. Come on. I'm not tall, man. I don't know. How, <laughs> you seem tall. <laughs> like, I seem tall. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so if you get one of these guys in the first four, what are you wanting to do with the 2-3 turn from this spot? Again, to me, it's all about format, and that's what Black Book's all about. We actually did this. I, I sent you a Black Book. I don't know if you saw it or not. but Oh, uh, I, I read I, through I, it, man. Yeah. All right. So we actually do this. We actually break this down 
draft strategy by draft strategy for each specific format. We do a four round mock and we talk about core building. And this is what I'm all about getting an advantage in a season long. I would like to come away when those first four rounds with, you know, in the top of the, the draft area, I definitely want to come away with at least one starting pitcher in that grouping. Uh, I could even come away with two and double up if I felt like it, but I think you want to come away with power. That's what you're looking for. Uh, I think when you get to the middle, it's a little bit more wild, wild west. I went with Garrett Cole with the number seven overall pick in labor. I was very happy how that turned out because I backed it up right away with Giolito in the fourth. And there's enough power to go around if you know where to look for it. I think no matter where you are in season long Roto, you want to come away with strikeouts and you want to come away with home runs because the home runs mean RBI and runs too. I I understand everybody wants to chase steals, but there's less of a separator with stolen bases. There's not a bunch of guys who are stealing 50, 60 bases anymore. These guys don't exist. Maybe it's Mondesi. Who knows if Turner moves to the three hole and they go down. I'm telling you, like you're, you're overpaying for something where it's just not a lot of separation to be had. There's a lot of separation. If you fall behind in home runs, there's a lot of separation. If you fall behind in pitcher strikeouts, that's what I'm looking for. Here's my ideal start from the one, four area. I want Christian Yelich in the first JD Martinez in the second, Jordan Alvarez in the third, Giancarlo Stanton in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, I look, Stanton is a huge risk-reward player, but he says he's healthy right now. That's today. Today he said he's healthy. So, I mean, in terms of power, uh, absolutely. Give me that group again. It was Stanton. Stanton, Jordan at number three, J.D. Martinez at number two, Christian Yelich at number one. Yeah, I don't think J.D. makes it back to you, unless it's a 12-team league, maybe. Yeah, 12-team league. That's what we're doing. 12-team leagues. His ADP is 22. So he's going right now. If you get the number three ADP, Christian Yelich, and the number 22 ADP, that's the same draft spot. So you can get Yelich and J.D. Martinez potentially. And if not, that means Jose Ramirez is dropping. Or that means Walker Buehler is dropping. Three is a great spot to be, in my opinion. The best thing you can be in a draft is prepared and flexible. Because whatever seems like it could be, it rarely ever is. And you also have to know who you're drafting with. It's one thing when you know the tendencies of certain people. It's another thing when you're in these some of these expert leagues. And some expert leagues are harder than others. And, you know, sometimes home leagues can be harder than expert leagues. I can tell you, depending on who's playing in them. But I think there's a real case to be made for either getting like a DeGrom or a Cole or one of those guys if you have an opportunity for it in season long. So if you're picking in the middle of the first round, that's what you want. You want one of the starting pitchers and then... If I'm in the middle, I will go that route. But after that, if I'm not, I will be the guy that has a rotation that starts with Patrick Corbin. And I'm fine with that. I will have Corbin and Giolito as my one and one A. And I will I will do it with bodies. And I will go out and get Montas and Eduardo Rodriguez. And I'll take a shot at Kluber. There's a lot of ways you can get the pitching this year. Now, inverse, head-to-head points, I want pitching. I want pitching early and often. And in that format, you tend not to play corner guys, not to play middle infield guys, not to have five active outfielders. And that's what Black Book tells you. It's all about understanding the value of the player in the format, which I think sometimes is just grossly under discussed. And there's too much general you know, discussion about players and not enough discussion about players in formats. Even when we do profiles in the Black Book, it's like that. This, Like I talked about Listella. I'm more keen to have him in DFS shares than in season long. I'm more keen to have this guy in a head-to-head format than I am in a season long Roto. It's understanding the player's value And that's why RPV is so useful and all that other stuff. But we are so specific about building how to build core roster strength, how to build an RPV, a relative position value advantage. And I think that's that's why everyone has success with the book. And that's why that's what makes the separators people always, Bobby, and you'll see this, right? People end up trying to fill roster spots instead of trying to build roster strength. And that's the worst thing you can do. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. If, I, if I'm if i going for my ideal mid-first round start, I'm not going with a pitcher. I don't have a first round grade on any pitcher. I'm going with my first uh, middle infielder, Trevor Story, is who I would like to get in the middle of the first round. Him or Lindor? Yeah, I'm fine. With, I keep flip-flopping on those two. Yeah, Lindor and Cole were right, right there for me, and Lindor, I believe, went right before me, so it was easy. <laughs> and uh, I said J.D. Martinez if I'm drafting in the early first round. I'm also taking J.D. Martinez in the middle of the first round. In fact, I'd consider taking him at the turn. That's how much of a believer I am in J.D. Martinez this year. Uh, and then again, I want Jordan Alvarez if I can. I'm probably going to be able to get him in the third round. If not, then I'm probably looking at Glebar Torres, who I would love to have, or uh, my first pitcher. Yeah, I love Torres. I'm very high on Well, he was... He put that team on his back last summer with no judge, no Stanton. And he was like 21 years old. Man, am I impressed by that kid. Like, I, I mean, I'm in the New York area and I'm not a Yankee fan, but I, I'm watching that kid. I was nothing but impressed. And if I'm in towards late in drafts, you can bet that you're going to be fighting me for Alex Bregman. You're going to be fighting me for Juan Soto. I want one of those guys. Okay, so that's what you would prefer at the turn is Bregman and Soto if you could get it. Oh, please, if I can, please. I mean, especially Bregman, two spots there. And in in leagues with five active outfielders, if you're in a 15-team league, I hate to break it to you, outfield is the scarce position because you're going to go so deep into that position when you go into utility bats or DH, whatever your league plays. You have to understand there's players at multiple eligibility who will be playing other spots. You don't want to end up with those platoon, low-end guys who don't play every day. Juan Soto, I mean, I just... He is in another planet right now, and he's so young, and he's so good, and I will take Juan Soto happily and build a team around him. In fact, I, I said Trevor Story. I think I'd rather take Juan Soto than Trevor Story in the middle of the first, so I'm definitely taking him at the end of the first. He went all the way at the turn at labor. I was shocked he went that long. I was considering him taking him over Cole. That's how much I like Soto. I'd love to pair Soto and either Turner or Arenado with the turn. That would be a sweet start. Well, Arenado went right before. Pianowski and Labor took uh, Arenado at 14 overall. Then Scherzer and Soto went uh, at, the, at the actual turn, then Walker Bueller next. But those guys are around there. If you get a chance to take Juan Soto anywhere from 13 on, uh, I just think it's, especially in deep outfield leagues, you're crazy if you pass on him. He's just, he's an incredible talent. He just really is. All right, Joe, that's all for today's show. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, and, uh, of course you go check out, you can go get your fantasy black book over on Amazon or iTunes and, uh, number one in baseball books. And we know I'm already number one in, in Bobby's heart. That's where it matters. <laughs> Guys, give Joe a follow on Twitter at Joe piece of PS 17. I'm at Bobby fantasy pro. And don't forget to check out our draft simulator. Remember it's free. It's fast. It's fun. And it's helpful. Uh, fantasypros.com slash draft wizard for the draft simulator for Joe piece I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your baseball. <laughs>